All right, welcome back uh, to Judging Bouncing Balls. Uh, Jeremy, joined by, joined by Toby, and our guest, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it. Of course. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, now, now, Toby, you know Mackenzie better than I do. Uh, would you like to give a little introduction on uh, how, you, how you met Mackenzie? Yeah, we were introduced, uh, man, a couple years ago now, where she was uh, training soccer uh, players, uh, in, in a new twist that we haven't seen besides the coaches that we've ran through. And so she uh, took Macy on and uh, it's been tremendous of what she's been able to do. You know, I'd like to say my kid had talent from my genes, you know, coming through the system, but she just needed to be honed in. And Mackenzie really took her and, uh, and I, we give a lot of credit for what Macy's been able to do to Mackenzie. And uh, so that's been fun. She's got a great facility and we'll talk about that down the road, but uh Mackenzie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you kind of got started in uh, in soccer? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I'm Mackenzie. Um, I am originally from Chicago suburbs. I've been playing since I was four years old. Um, obviously, played all through my childhood in high school, um, played in college, and then actually played internationally for a little bit, a semester, and then played semi-pro and kind of through all those endeavors, um, obviously it turned into a coaching role on the side. And then when I moved to Green Bay, um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, again, just took on a part-time coaching role. And from there, I kind of built the coaching role that I took on was to coach a U11 team. And then on the side, I would privately train players and, um, the clientele just grew tremendously. And then I ended up just finding that it was my niche and it was what I wanted to do 100% of the time. And yeah, now I've had MacRock Athletic Development Center for seven years now, since 2015. Um, and yeah, I started out of the trunk of my car and now we have a facility and a bunch of equipment that runs the trainings and a bunch of uh, coaches that help run the trainings. And that's where we are. That's awesome. So you said you started this out of the trunk of your car. I, I, was that legitimate or is that just a figure of speech? Did you actually like pull up with just open up a trunk? Hey, look what I got here. It's, it's legitimate. I was actually traveling okay. all around Northwestern or Northeastern, excuse me, Wisconsin, like wherever, you know, the word of mouth just kind of took off. So I was doing it locally, obviously in Green Bay, but then somehow it went down through the Fox Valley and even up through Iron Mountain. And now the Iron Mountain people, I had them come down to me. Um, but I just, I put a bag of balls in my car, uh, some cones and wherever I could find space in the summer, the, the seasons where I could be outside, I just would pick a field and say, Hey, meet me there. And then winter <laughs> which is when the transition of trying to find my own space kicked in because <clears throat> the indoor space in the area was limited for the amount that I had um, taken on. So um, in 2017, I decided to rent some space out of my own and lay some turf down. And since then, we've built a brand new building um, that is more ideal and set in stone for what we do. Yeah, and that that thing is. I saw the building on your website. It's phenomenal. It, 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 did I see it's about eight thousand square feet? Yeah, so it's yeah eight, about eighty six hundred square feet. Yeah, so wow. we went from like us actually the training space in the first facility was about like I would say 
3,000 square feet. Um, and it was just kind of a, a manufacturing warehouse that I just made do, which worked and it was awesome, but it wasn't, you know, the end all. And um, we ended up just building across the street, um, just ideal for what we do and what we needed. And actually I structured and built the facility around the type of equipment that we have because that equipment is what runs all of our trainings along with our coaches. So I, I built it and measured it out perfectly to make sure that it fit each studio that was necessary. So it's built to suit exactly what we need. Okay. That, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it looks like a, a really cool facility. We'll, we'll put your website down uh, in the, in the show notes so people can go and check it out. But um, before we get into the business side, I, I want to just ask you a couple of questions about your, your background, because you just went through a lot of different things that you that you experienced, all the way from youth level to professional. You know, similar to Kobe and I, of course, right? In our playing playing days, <laughs> not even close. Uh, but I want you to talk about that because obviously, this being a youth podcast about youth sports and kind of people looking to potentially go into that next level, and you went even a couple levels above that. Uh, what were some of the experiences you had in youth soccer? Uh, like, did you did you know early on that you wanted to play at a high level? Um, honestly, no. I it's so crazy because I always think back if I was if I was a teenager now and with all like the social media and what you see and what you're presented to, um, mm -hmm. I feel like my long term goal would would have been so different. Where like back when I was in high school. You know, we didn't have Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, like showing all the, the pros of if you went professional and, you know, all the mm -hmm. perks that playing professionally or playing collegiately had. Um, so I was just kind of low key with it. I mean, I was I was an elite player and I, I traveled a lot and my parents invested a lot of time and money into into doing all that for me, but never really pressured me into playing like beyond high school. So. Um, I, I actually, you know, through high school, I made the decision just in the midst of like, I don't know, I would say like my junior year that I didn't want to play collegiately once kind of, once coaches were starting to recruit me, um, I, you know, nothing was really pressured. I, I saw that I was good enough, but at the same time, I, I didn't have a good look at what the future looked like if I did play. So I just, it's like, whatever, I'll just be done after high school. Um, and then... <laughs> my senior year of high school, once I had chosen where I wanted to go to school just because of academics and location, my club coach was like, hey, I know you turned down like all, all the recruitment letters that you received and I know that you were saying you didn't really wanna play, but now that you've chose your school, like would you be willing to potentially train to then try out for their team? And I was like, sure but whatever i'm not gonna make it you know for me i i went to university of arizona so their d1 i never even i don't think i was even looking at d1 schools from a recruitment standpoint to begin with um but i ended up training and just like again i was still super low-key about it went into the tryout as if it was just like another practice to just have fun because i didn't think there was any way that i'd do it and then in the midst of tryouts i realized i'm like oh wow i can do this and then i ended up making it and that kind of took me through um, that whole endeavor. <laughs> so I, huh. I didn't really have that vision growing up. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to play long-term, but the professional world, the collegiate world and the professional world weren't as, uh, not prominent because it was obviously as prominent as it is now, but it wasn't shown to me or presented mm -hmm. to me in the way 
is nowadays. And I, I somewhat envy all these teenage athletes because they can see that and they can kind of set their goals on that because what's in front of them on their phone every day. And they see, you know, all these college programs have such great showcasing on their platforms. And then obviously the professional leagues do too. So it's just something that hooks you a little bit sooner. And I just always think like, Oh, I wonder if I was a teenager now, like what my goal would be if I was as elite in soccer as I was. So. Huh. That's an interesting story. I mean, that's, it's not typical that you'd, you'd hear that. So that's actually really kind of cool. Yeah. It's, um, I want to, <clears throat> yeah. let's uh, back it up. So Naperville, <laughs> correct? Liber- I think it's Naperville, Libertyville. Ah, it's one of the so close, <laughs> right? Um, what was your club down there? So, so I played for, so greater Libertyville soccer association, but then it had at one point merged with eclipse, which is well <sighs> nationally. Um, and then, like, through the merge, at, actually, at one point, like, in the midst of my high school career, it kind of divided up again. And now the club is called FC FC 74. Um, so it was kind of a range of different things. I would say all around, like, generically, it standardly stayed as Greater Liberty Soccer Association, GLSA. Um, so, yeah. We played there once, didn't we? Libertyville? We played Eclipse. Yeah, we. I think we played Galaxy down there, didn't we? Yeah. There, yeah, I thought we were in Libertyville. South, southwest of Chicago. Yeah, there's a. Uh, no, so Libertyville is no, like honestly like straight north of the city. Um, mm-hmm. Libertyville has a huge. It has a huge complex, and it's it always has big tournaments. So you most likely have played there. And I, okay. I, I know speaking with Macy on her travels that she has said that she's been there. So. Yeah. I think we played there in that, and it was like. 20 degrees it was early spring yes. it was cold and i that's think always- we beat eclipse i'll be honest we beat evolution now galaxy's beaten us that's the one <laughs> but that they 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 recruit and pay players i swear to god they cheat <laughs> they do everything wrong but it's chicago right i mean it's all part of the game yeah, some palms. <laughs> we're all good church going people up here that don't cheat and then we run into the big city folk and they beat we're, us down we're no good <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so did you did you play any grades did they have grade school soccer yeah well yeah but i i mean i played primarily through the club and then like up until eighth grade i played like i did all different sports so like honestly from like i feel like fifth grade to eighth grade i did soccer i did basketball volleyball cheerleading track like and then obviously you get you get to high school and you have to make a decision. Um, so that's when I kind of was that. Was there another sport that you liked more than soccer? No, I would. I mean, I, I think I really actually enjoyed volleyball, but I wasn't good at it. <laughs> so I was like, eh, this, this isn't really happening. <laughs> um, but I, I ended up I did like track a lot because I liked the quick sprints, but I could never, I knew going into high school, I wasn't going to be able to track because it was the same season as, as women's soccer. I actually ended up doing cross country in the fall, along with club soccer in the fall. And then in the spring I did high school soccer. So. How did you like cross country? My, my daughter just did that. She did cross country and fall soccer, club soccer. How'd you like it? 
I did it for soccer. Honestly, like I did it during club season to just like stay in or get in better shape. And I ended up being a really good runner. Like I went to state every year and my cross country coaches were like, oh, can you can you primarily run cross country? And I was like, mm, running for fun, just to run. <laughs> and like, I, I, I just knew that my focus was soccer. So um, I just had fun with it and enjoyed the success with it. Uh, I would say, one thing I didn't like is I always got shin splints because I would go from Ooh. my from my cleats to my running to the spikes, and that was one one big hurdle I constantly had to had to figure out and work through every season. But um, it was fun because I was good at it, so I wasn't just doing it just to run. I I was actually doing it to compete, so it kept it exciting. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I mean, she my daughter's not a huge fan, but. She, she's proficient at it enough that, you know, she did well, but she's like, man, I'd, it, I'd much rather play soccer. So yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. I only run when I'm getting chased. I'm going to be dead honest with you. And I stop doing things where people chase. Does that <laughs> when there's red and blue lights, that's the only time you run. A couple times. I'll be honest. We were young and we started pelting the bus with snowballs and the bus driver chased hey. us. And that's when I gave up my running. You play pickleball. That's like, that's pretty. Hey, I'm going to be honest. We had a, 10 team tournaments and they're 16 tur- champions. You wow. Only won the ship. You, I mean, you got to be pretty agile in that right. sport. So, mm. <laughs> well, when you're playing with guys that are 48 and older, it's, <laughs> I'd like to tell you how amazing it is, <laughs> but there's no video. No. no That's way. a shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. If you watch, if you watch TikTok like I do, pickleball TikTok. It looks nothing like that. <laughs> okay, I got to start watching pickleball TikTok. Apparently, I've never seen that, so I will put that on the to-do list. Pickleball TikTok. <laughs> I just just search TikTok on pickle on uh, pickleball on TikTok, and you can watch all the professionals. It's amazing. Awesome. It eats up a lot of time yeah. though. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But getting back, so you know, one of the big things that we talk about is the the high school sports versus club, and how mm-hmm. we feel the the high school sports is getting left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an elite player or a top player, um, you know, my neighbor is a hockey player. He hasn't played an ounce of high school hockey because he's already beyond that. Um, you know, and, and now the Milwaukee clubs are are pushing through high school and, and making people play, you know, not making, but they're having a season in the spring now for girls. So it's eating up high school. What I feel is the the community aspect of sports, uh, to play for your high school, you know, to wear the crest and to, and to have fun with your friends. Do you see in your trainings, are people looking to play more club or do you still see based on kind of we're in a smaller area that high school is still prevalent? Um, I, I would say it's kind of a mix. I think cause you get, okay. So typically the teams that for, I'm talking more so from the fee- female side, just because I'm more familiar with that from the ECNL level, which is the league at which technically the teams play all year round. Um, and those are the teams that travel nationally. So that, you know, they go all over the place. Um, and those teams I have, I'm not familiar with any club that hosts teams as such from the ECNL level um, up in green Bay. So the, from the, from the girls and boys that travel down to Milwaukee or go to Madison or outside of green Bay and join, like I know FC Wisconsin's a big one that they, they showcase ECNL teams. Um, 
you know, so there's a select few that decide not to play at the high school level because their club team has decided collectively to stay together. And during, again, specifically the female season in the spring, um, not play high school and travel and go to all these college showcases. So I think I actually, I would say personally, from my experience up in Green Bay, I don't see the fact of the matter being that these these players are deciding to play ECNL just because the opportunity isn't necessarily available locally. Um, so therefore, like they're not they're not traveling down to Milwaukee or Madison to practice. Um, but I will say from personal experience growing up, that was a very big deal in the Chicago suburbs. There's a bunch of, I mean, all the clubs pretty much have an ECNL um, level and they, like half of my best friends decided to switch clubs because they found that the high school level wasn't as beneficial or elite for them to be able to be showcased to division one, two or three coaches. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of a matter of where do um, college, if, if you're speaking more at doing so because of trying to play at the collegiate level, like where, where do college coaches look? And I think that shifts per state as well. And like, for example, I think a lot of the Wisconsin, the smaller Wisconsin school coaches will actually pull more from high school programs where I think the bigger schools will pull depending on, so if it's Madison and you're, you're going to high school around Madison, right? Like the, the head coach of UW Madison may be aware of a player um, in the high school system around town, but you know, for them to pull from high schools elsewhere, I, I feel as though that I don't know how likely that is to be showcased and be seen at that level at high school. So I guess it kind of just depends on the situation. I was used to it in a different way just because I was in the suburbs of Chicago and it was it's just a bigger community from a soccer standpoint. And I think it's, it's cool because it's slowly but surely getting there um, because you can see all these clubs making big leaps and bounds and providing more elite opportunities. But at the same time, the high school programs are doing the same and trying to get their players to stay during their seasons to then create camaraderie and an environment that provides elite players. The only, I think the only kickback to that is in at the high school programs, you're more likely to get players that have played all their lives, but also that have, that have just started playing. Um, so that's where it comes, it becomes hard because then how many players do you have trying out for the team? And if it's, if it's limited, then you mesh more of the recreational players with the elite players. If it's not as limited, you make two teams, right? You make a JV team and a varsity team. And then the varsity team is, is high end where the JV team is more fundamental. Um, so I think that's the hardship is just trying to get a good niche of players and due to the high school programs being willing and honest to take on anybody, um, rightfully so some, I mean, some high schools cut, some don't, it really just depends on, on what they decide. But I think that's where it gets a little tough for players that are looking to play at a high, high level, but sometimes get stuck playing with players that are not bad players. They just haven't been used to playing at. A quick mm -hmm. level so if that makes sense <laughs> yeah huh I, I, it does make sense it's but it's so also one of those that it's, it's just unfortunate like, like i understand it i think that's what we've talked about too it, it makes sense but it's just it's 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 unfortunate to see the high schools 
um, kind of lose players because then it, it it waters it down even more. If like your best players are going to club and not playing high school, then it it waters it down to even more of a fundamental game rather than a, a higher level uh, soccer, which is just too bad. Yeah, and that's where, you know, do you, it's like, it's, I don't know, like I, do you set a tone where when you get a big crew, let's say like, all right, so it's like senior year and you lose a bunch of really good seniors, but then like what what is what are the players that you've built up over the years and what's the tone that you're setting and what's the mm-hmm. expectation? And I think that all kind of depends too on the size of the school because how many kids are trying out um, and if you're limited and you're kind of forced to just roster X amount of players and that, that being you have to pull from a potential like fundamental core group, then um, like you said, I think that's when the, the more advanced players decide to pull away. Mm-hmm. It, those that are looking to take that season to gain awareness and um, conversation with potential recruitment situ you know, with potential recruits that you just, they feel as though maybe that won't be found or that they won't be able to showcase themselves to the extent that they would be in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, how do you, how do you change that? You know, like I think right. from just program standpoint as the coach, you just, you have to set that tone and do you make cuts? I mean, are you, are you making cuts? And is then people look at you and say, well, cutting, like, why would, why would anybody cut? You know, like we, you shouldn't cut players. You should just create another team. And so I think that's where the riffraff and just uh, confusion and frustration comes into play. I don't know. We always, we always cut. Yeah. I mean, just don't get caught. Right. I mean, just try not to. <laughs> try not to. We all got caught. We all got caught once in a while. I mean, I got caught. <laughs> it was the biggest mistake of that coach's career. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you do, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, to be honest. And it's just kind of part, like when people, when players or parents moan and groan about it, it's kind of part of being an athlete in any sport. Um, but some people, you know, just want to, play soccer to have fun and just to play and it's super recreational and that's what some high school programs may not that they necessarily want that but that they feel as though that's all they could offer so they'll just they'll just deal with it just because because of the people that they have coming in uh, right. so i think it's just a- what is this fun you're talking about it's not fun <laughs> what how far did you travel in your like so our daughters are 14 yes i don't know if Amelia's i think so um <laughs> no they are <laughs> uh how far did you travel at that age uh i don't know it, it wasn't that long ago you're younger than us <laughs> fairly younger than us a lot younger than us i mean younger than jeremy <laughs> oh are you <laughs> <laughs> um i i mean honestly I, we kind of went all over um, I would say, I mean, Orlando to California, I mean, across the country. And then we would travel obviously just through the Midwest a lot. It just kind of depended on, I, I went through a few different transitions with the club I was in because of the transition with ownership and, and, uh, management. So it depending on like the team that I was playing for at the time and the decisions I made based on, again, when I decided to personally play high school soccer over 
ECNL, which a lot of my friends did, I decided to not take a step back in my club opportunities. I just, I didn't, I didn't join the team that was traveling all over the country. I was playing just more locally through club my high school years. And then through high school, I was playing. So um, in high school, I didn't travel as far because it was more just Midwest um, because I wasn't going to the showcases across the country. So so you're, you're kind of a perfect example of what I would like to see. <laughs> and it really depends on talent then, right? I yeah. Mean, there are kids like we read, like, and you follow, I follow on Twitter that I think they're in a different state every weekend. Yeah. Know? I mean, it and is. as a 14 year old girl, that sounds amazing, right? You're traveling, you get to go to Florida, but as you wonder what the value is, because how many of those kids actually, I mean, is, is the goal of a high level team D one or is it, if it's, is it college? Yeah. What I kind of ran into honestly, and this, I mean, this is like not sugarcoating anything, but I, once I was in college too, a lot of my teammates said like their parents spent all the money and spent all the time in the world to take them all over the country so that they wouldn't have to spend a dime for college, like aiming at getting them a full ride pretty much. Um, and honestly, when I heard that, once I got to Arizona, I was shocked because I was never pressured by my parents, um, to be like, like, you know, I was lucky enough that they were willing to travel all over with me and spend the money and spend the time, but never did they make me feel like we're doing this because we're banking on you going off to college and getting a a scholarship. So when I, when I heard that, you know, from my teammates, I was just like kind of in, in awe because it also somewhat drew the love of the game um, from them because it was more of a forceful situation. But yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately, but yet fortunately, because again, you're fortunate enough to be able to do all that stuff and then as well be offered a full ride. <laughs> um, but at the same time, when you get to that position, how happy are you? You know, like how much do you really want it or how much did you really want it? Well, I think that's the goal of a lot of athletes. I don't know how many of the girls on our team really even care to play beyond, but I think the goal, you know, anytime someone's willing to pay for your college, I always told my daughter that there's more money in education than there is in sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, coming, growing through the cheer family or whatever we'll call it, you know, there were girls that would, they'd about one every other year would get a full ride to Louisville for cheer. Um, and I've watched girls go from five years old through senior year and then they quit their senior year cause they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and if those parents had a legit shot at getting a free education, if that's what they put their, you know, their other apples in one bowl, they, they were pretty disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is. I, I, the other thing I think about, you mentioned Mackenzie, the, just the, the, the amount of money that's spent traveling around. I, I can't help but think if you just took all the money you spent on paying for travel and all the, all the, you can just pay for college. It's like, what's the difference? So it's just, it's interesting that people put that much money in just to get a scholarship when it's like, man, you could almost just pay for it on your own with all the money you spent. So. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if some of it has to do with like the recognition. Yeah, the prestige. Yeah, for sure. And which, again, it's to each their own. Like it is whatever. But I, biggest thing that I 
as a coach and now as a parent, but I'm a parent of a two-year-old. So it's obviously he's not involved in anything too crazy yet, but thinking yet, I already, <laughs> believe me, I already take him to the facility and I make him do drills. Um, <laughs> loves it. Loves it, by the way. Um, just like thinking about, thinking about that. I, I just, I feel like, you know, you have to make sure that the athlete wants it. So yeah. we run into these situations where I can tell part of the time when the parent wants it more than the athlete. And it never ends up, you know, like, so I approach it. I at like, if you see a lack of urgency in an athlete, I just bring it to the parent. I say, let's sit down and talk because I, I through a conversation with both of you, I want to figure out where, and I also don't want you spending a bunch of money on training yeah. when ultimately you're, you're, they're not getting much out of it. So, you know, it, it's just important to, to make sure that the decisions are obviously being made by ultimately the athlete. Um, yeah. So. Agreed. And I, I find for me, at least, I think Toby, you're kind of the same way. I got to tell my daughter to pump the brakes. She'd be, she'd be at a place like yours five days a week trying to get us into a national league and spending all kinds of money. If I let her, <laughs> she, she, she just wants to do everything soccer. Now let's quit every sport. Let's focus on soccer all the time. Like honey, yeah. just calm down. Dad, I know. dad doesn't have that many jobs. I can't do this. <laughs> just gotta keep, you gotta, you gotta keep some stuff for her so it remains as exciting. Yeah, that's what I told her. I said, distance makes the heart grow fonder. This is why you gotta play some other sports. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good, too. It's good to be a multi-sport athlete because it, it also like keeps them from getting burnt out. And yes. just from a standpoint, helps so much. Agreed. You know, getting so you came just to kind of get back. I got my questions right here, ready for it. Um, wow! So you came, you came through high school, right? I know. I, I did a little homework here. I took some time. <laughs> I probably spelled about fourteen words wrong on this text. Let's not worry what about you, it. Nope. I watched Mackenzie text me her your email today, and it took one second. It was like that would take me all day. <laughs> but you you downplay your talent, and I. I because you you know you talk about how you were you were looking at some schools. I mean, U of A is a pretty big school, right? Mm -hmm. That's a smart kid school because ASU is the party school. But good job, uh, right? No, I'd have been an ASU kid. I'm telling you, exactly. like it is, it is a very good school. I will say that, but we'll we'll keep it as is because I went to U of A. So exactly, exactly. So you wanted to get out of the Midwest? Yes. And leave all this. You, you have <laughs> right. where we haven't seen the sun in like months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, my wife just told me that she hates Wisconsin, so I don't know where we're moving. <laughs> probably, probably Clintonville. Oh god. <laughs> oh, god. Um, but did you have you have sisters? Yes. Did they leave too? Are they older? One's older, one's younger. Okay. Did the older one like I always try to figure out like. My, my sister stayed in the state. I ended up staying in the state. You know, it's like if one can make the jump, it kind of sets the table for mom and dad to accept, you know, 3,000 miles in between. Yeah. I So my older sister went to Dayton, Ohio. Um, so not that far. But then my younger sister went to Auburn University. So, cool. so we, I mean, I would say we both went out of state or we all three of us went out of state. I went the furthest, but... Um, I actually, it's funny because when I was in the midst of 
being recruited and all the schools that were looking at me and the schools that I was looking at aside from the schools recruiting me were all in the Midwest besides like I actually through high school was always said I wanted to go to Boulder because I wanted to get out but like Boulder was like the only school outside the Midwest that I was like oh I want to go um but so it was last minute honestly my parents got a brochure for U of A in the mail like silver lining I don't know I don't even know why it got sent to us and my parents are big golfers and they're like well do you want to just go on a trip and check it out I'm like whatever sure it'll be a vacation and when I like I we pulled on campus at like I don't nine o'clock at night like the downtown and it had all the lights and palm trees and it was January and people were walking around in sandals I was like I'm gonna go here (laughs) and I'll be honest, that sounds like University of Stevens Point. The only people walking around in January in sandals are drunks. <laughs> <laughs> I was it was a gimme. Um, and my parents were all for it too, because they loved to like golf and just they, they were like, every time we come, it'll just be like a mini vacation. So so it was funny because then I got home and I just dropped every hmm. single that's that's I dropped every single application and acceptance that I got. Um, So it was cool that I got to leave the Midwest. And it's interesting because soccer specifically is so different. It's actually, it's not different. The the build of the players are different. Like I'll say it this way, a back line. So like whether you're playing three in the back or four in the back, when I was like on the teams I played on and against, the girls were like built, like buff, right? It's like, and I, I'll explain why I say I say it this way. But when I got out to Arizona, the back line was like these tall, not scrawny, but like fit, but like skinny girls. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not what a center back looks like. <laughs> and I always just made the joke, it's because we hibernate in the winter. And like, it's <laughs> like I'm not, but the game game wasn't I mean honestly the speed of play but I also have a feeling that that had to do with the fact that I was all automatically in college and not playing club soccer anymore but um it was just like a completely different experience um than I ever was used to and it was a big eye-opener just because it was it was different it was different than than things that I were used to and curls that I was used to playing with um and philosophies and so it was a cool experience, though. I definitely learned a lot. Did they take care pretty good care? I mean, like, football is always number one, right? Like, we done the tour at UW-Madison, basically did a camp, mm-hmm. and they gave us a facility tour, and they won't let us go in the football locker room, but they're like, oh, here's the women's soccer team. And they had, like, these lockers came from the men's football team. Like, thanks for the hand-me-down. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, they did. I mean, it was uh, – like the field was off, the field at U of A is off campus. So it's not like on campus, like the football field and the baseball field and the pool and everything. So, but we still had the locker room and we got all the gear and we got to work out in the same facilities and had all the, I mean, yeah, it was the same. I mean, we didn't get the nice cars that the football players got. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this accusations are, we don't need to be going now. This is pre NIL money. Accusations. <laughs> Right. Were they any good back then? U of A. Uh, it depended on the year <laughs> that I was there. Okay. Honestly, the basketball team is more exciting. 
I would say. Oh, uh, they were good. Yeah, they were good. Actually, they had a big scandal. The coach got caught like two years ago. Yeah. Eh. See? See? Everyone knows. <laughs> and now it's legal. So I, I know. Exactly. <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about that for a second. If you were in college today, would you go after the NIL money? I mean, would, would I've seen some uh, female athletes do it. They, 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 uh, they, they tend to be more uh, from what I've gathered, just like social media, uh, really good at social media and, 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 and maybe putting out either engaging posts or maybe they're just really attractive. But I mean, would like, would you go down that road uh, of the NIL? Like would, would, could you see yourself being an NIL person? If you asked me back then, probably, I'd probably be like, yeah, just because you didn't know what came along sure. with it, really. But now that there's, like, so much competition in the social media world, too, I, I honestly, and just, again, being, like, mature enough now to understand, like, how it could sure. benefit you, also how it could, like, wreck, like, mentally, like, just throw you down. Um I don't know. Honestly, that's a good question. I don't off the top of my head, I'd say no, but I think that like also something that if I was being offered something, like being able to be in, you know, it's a million dollars. Sure. Money off of it. I mean, probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Especially at that age, you're not going to turn down money. You're not going to be like, Oh, no, thanks. building your like your your personal brand right so and that's like that's a reputation you can carry on and that can lead into so many other opportunities so i guess it just depends on how how i would look at it but yeah fair enough did you have more fun back like college was college more of a job because i hear college athletes talk about their sport as like it is a job it is weights it is studying it is practice is it, does it ever get too much? Or like, why am I doing this? Or is it, did they keep it light and make it worthwhile? It's a lot. It depends on the level you play at, honestly. Um, and like, I played in New Zealand for a semester and it was totally different. Like I played through at the university that I studied at and it was, was totally different. So um, it depends on, you know, I mean, I also believe that the way that you are held accountable and um, your expectations also depends on money and your scholarship and your position on the team. Um, But from like a collective standpoint, I mean, my freshman year was literally, you had a set study hall, we woke up at 3 a.m., practiced, school, study hall, lifting, practice, bed (laughs) so but that's any pro i mean at a d1 level that's how it works and it it is your life and it like that schedule may sound miserable to people but at the same time it's also glorious right Mm -hmm. um like you're at you have this like set you have this set timeline for everything that you do but you also get a lot of a lot of things that come along with with everything um that when you're walking on campus, people that aren't student athletes don't get, and you realize that in that moment, like how how lucky and fortunate you are. But then there's times you're like, God, I wish, or I wonder what I'd be doing right now if I didn't have to go to practice tonight. <laughs> you know, um, 
So it, it depends. And it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't put it that way because it seem it like wears you down and it, it's meant to be like you're in prison. Cause it, I, I don't think that that's the right term to, to, to put towards it. It's just a matter of your, I mean, if you do have a full ride, let's say your college is being paid for, what is the expectation right. in return? Right. But it's not like the, it's not a matter of the program being like you have you have to be miserable because of that. They just they provide all the amenities that they provide and then you get you get education. But then at the same time, you also get a bunch of recognition. And um, it, it it also depends on the, the coach too. like what's the atmosphere that they that they provide, what's their philosophies, what's their motives, what are their goals and. I think that's one thing I actually tell athletes all the time during the recruitment process is you got to get to know your coach um, before you decide on a school because ultimately your coach is the one that's going to be taking care of you. Like that's the person you're going to see every day. They're going to be technically your parent there um, at a certain level. They're going to be the ones to tell you what you need to do. And if their morals don't align with what you believe or want, then it's not going to be the best situation. Um and sometimes, you know, sometimes you get unlucky because recruited by a coach and then the coach gets gets transitioned out of the program and a new coach comes in and things shift and change and you know, how do you how do you work yourself around that? But um yeah, I guess you just gotta you just you know, don't just make a decision based on location or size or how cool the school is when it excuse me, when it comes to playing sports because your experience is really dependent on yeah. who's in charge. Makes sense. If, so the transfer portal is big today, right? I mean, if, if you're not happy with your team, if the transfer portal was in your era, which wasn't that long ago, would you have switched or did you like the U of A for all it had and you enjoyed everything about it? So I actually have a little interesting of a story, but I will say, so my freshman year there was – 11 or 12 of us in the in the whole class and by the time we my senior year rolled around we had two girls in that class left wow two wow yeah um we yeah so <laughs> it was interesting it was an interesting experience um i ended up stepping away when i decided i wanted to play abroad so i couldn't you couldn't play at the D1 level and obviously then travel around the world to play abroad. So that was my junior year. Um, I went abroad and I think they ended up actually getting a new coach shortly after I graduated. But that's why I speak so, um, not highly, but I, I'm not afraid to say like, Hey, cause I walked on to U of A. I didn't, I wasn't recruited by them. I showed up the tryout and made it. And I didn't have the opportunity to get to know the coach. Like they just called me when I left and left tryouts and they're like, Hey, we want you back. You have to be back here in a week. And that was in June of my senior year. I went back and I loved all of my teammates, but I was not, I was in a really rough position um, as like a player just because actually I don't even know just because isn't the right term. Um, I don't know why. And I had confronted the situation often just based on how I felt in my experience. And um, I ultimately, I ultimately decided to make the switch. And then um, as you said, the transfer portal, it wasn't a thing, but 
this goes back to when a lot of my teammates said, in order for me to go to college, my parents are expecting me to play from a financial standpoint. So if they didn't want to play at the U of A because they weren't happy anymore, they had to transfer. And I don't even remember the process that they took. I stayed at U of A. I don't remember the process that they took. They, um, I'm thinking, I'm assuming that they just, it was just contacts being made through conferences and they all transferred like someone to San Diego, someone, they all pretty much stayed in the West coast, but someone to San Diego, someone to Oregon, um, someone to ASU and yeah, they, they transitioned out because in their eyes and with their family situations, they really, they couldn't just go to college to go to college, which again was a big eye opener for me. Um, and not that they, they just like, that was the decision that their families had made and they needed to go somewhere to play and, and get, and get money. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story, but that's why it's so important. It is so important for you to spend time getting, and the girls that I ended up playing with that were, that did have full rides and and scholarships committed their sophomore year of high school to U of A. And I, from my recollection, I'm pretty sure they were recruited by the same coach, but things change obviously. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much time was put in and invested into actually getting to know the coach. Um, if you just go watch a team play and you see them from the outside looking in and they have good chemistry and they're successful and they're a high level team, then, then everything looks fine and dandy. Right. So, and people have different outlooks and perspectives on their experiences. So so I guess what I would like to ask you, Mackenzie, is uh, having gone through that process, if there's somebody listening that's in that age group of, you know, maybe a, a high school freshman or sophomore thinking about maybe playing at the next level, whether it's D1, D2, D3, what, what, what's your best advice that you could give to them on that process, um, you know, and in, in how they should prepare themselves for it? Because it sounds like it can be a pretty stressful process. I mean, it, as exciting as it is to pick a school can also be pretty stressful. Yeah, I would say the biggest piece of advice that always I, I always say first is these athletes have to remember that they're also interviewing the coaches and the programs that they're looking at. Like, I think a lot of pressure is put on these athletes because they feel like they have to impress. They mm-hmm. they're being interviewed. They're that. And they have to have that same approach with the programs that they're interested in or that they're, that they're contacting, that they're looking at, because they're going to find more success once they get to wherever they're going, if they take that approach. And they're going to ask questions that they may not ask to coaches that they're just almost intimidated by because they're putting them on the spot. Whereas if they go into something and say, hey, I want to know, like, what's your focus for this team yeah. like, from the player standpoint? Like, hey, what are your morals? Like, what, I mean, as simple as like, what's your belief on, on like free time and, you know, little, the, from the littlest thing to the biggest thing. Um, so you, the athletes just have to remember that this process isn't just them being put on the spot and um, expected to answer to these coaches. Like they need to, no matter whether it's a coach that initially reaches out to them or they reach out to a program they have to ask as many questions and put the coach on the spot as many times as they feel they are um, because it's a two-way street, right? Mm-hmm. So that is like straight up always my biggest piece of advice. I think 
I see way too often that athletes are just like, well, what should I say? What do I do? What do I do? I'm like, don't do something because you think you should do it because you like ask a question because you want to know for the sake of your experience. If you go there, um, don't just ask it because you think it's the right question to ask. Cause then you're going to go into your play playing experience and do the same thing. And you're, you're not successful when you, when you are like, when you're doing that, right. You're successful when you are doing what you believe in. So, so. Cool. So you, New Zealand, <laughs> how'd you end up in New Zealand? Like that'd be awesome. Again, I just wanted, I just wanted to get away. Uh, you throw a dart at a map and like, hey, did, put a shrimp she on did the, the No, she, she <laughs> I don't even know if no, that's, that's Australia. Australia. <laughs> but she did the, the globe thing where you spin it and you just hold your finger and just wait. I wanted to. I was like the total black, of course. I'm the middle. I'm the middle uh, child, so like I was a black sheep, and I was just like, eh, people go to Europe all the time. Like to me, Europe. I never have been to Europe. Europe wasn't cool, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's really cool. I want right. to go. Uh, like I would go to the cool, like the most like random place ever, <laughs> and I don't know. I'm also very outdoorsy. Like I love the mountains, and uh, and it was. English, well, to an extent, the native language there is not English, but for the most part, it was an English speaking country. And I was like, oh, Um, so yeah, I went to the University of Otago in Dunedin, which is like, there's two islands to New Zealand. So I was actually, the university I went to is the most Southern university in the world. Hmm. Um, It's really, it's really down there. You said you wanted to go South, so you did manage. I did. Yeah. And then I just, uh, I obviously traveled and I was out there. I, when I was out there, I actually also went to Fiji, um, which was awesome. awesome. Um, so, but then I, I played for the university and it was, it's just like, it was just a totally different experience. It was, it was cool because the coaches at the university really, you know, American soccer is highly recognized. So the coaches at the university actually really looked up to us and admired us and our playing abilities and just like what we brought to the programs because we were Americans and it was just a different level of play. And so it was cool because you just, you got to play New Zealanders. Kiwis, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, that's amazing. Kiwis. Yeah. Yeah. They're big sports rugby. So the All Blacks. Yes. Did you play rugby while you were there? Very good. I went to an All Blacks, a few All Blacks game, or no, I went. Really? No, I went to one because then the only the one I went to are I don't remember if it was through the university or if it was just like the professional club team in the city, but it's like American football when you go to these hmm. things. It's crazy. It's so cool. I had no idea what was going on. But it was so cool. Yeah, the best. They were the best in the world. I think it was them and the, the Australian Springbok. Springboks, I think, was their big rival. That two. Yeah, that'd have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I recommend it <laughs> if you ever want to get. Well, Fiji, Fiji's on my list. Yeah. I'll be honest. Get out of town, Zealand. But my kids play sports, so Fiji's way down. So, did you ever do? I don't think. What, what do they call it? The haka or whatever? Can you do that? That'd be awesome. You should do that at training. The haka, yeah. I, I actually. I, yes, I, that was what they've done. They did like before all, even soccer games. Um, it's intense. That's awesome. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I can't, I, it would be neat to see uh, like natives do it. it I've seen high school kids do it when I coach rugby and I was like, yeah, this ain't quite the same. Yeah. When you go like, obviously coming like internationally and when you first get there, like through the program, 
they have all these experiences set and you go to like the native villages and it's crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, but it's legitimate. I mean, it's it's a thing. That's cool. Yeah. So you leave New Zealand. Now you head back to the States. Yep. Or did you go to some other fabulous country and live a dream of soccer and fun? <laughs> um, no, I went back to Arizona for my senior year. And then that's when like I started training to try and play professionally. Um, because I just, of course, like soccer is my life. <laughs> and for some reason, I just can't get away from it to this day. <laughs> See, that's awesome. So, And you said like you could not play your... Yeah, you can play your senior year, correct? So my senior year, I played for the. It's it was pretty much considered club. So it was actually a few of the girls that played D one, um, and we actually through the club team at Arizona, we traveled, we traveled all over the country. Still, honestly, super cool. Like for nationals, we went to Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, no, actually, we went to Memphis. We flew into Little Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas. But uh, so it was it was actually still a really cool experience. And it was it was cool because it was one of those things where it was still super high level. But I got back to campus and was like, cool, I'm 21. I can go out. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so the lifestyle was different. So I got like a little bit of everything. But then it was kind of also a blessing in disguise because I realized uh, that I wanted to still, like, I don't think I, I don't think I would be where I am today in my career if it wasn't for making that transition. Cause I think I, I don't think I would have one tried to play professionally and two, um, I don't, I just think I would have been done, uh, worn out. So, so yeah, so I tried out, I tried out for a few pro teams in Chicago, in Kansas, and I thought that there was one more. Um, and I ended up making the reserve team in Chicago. And then, then following year, I made a semi-pro team in Colorado. And then the following year is when I moved to Green Bay. And at that point, I had decided my soccer career was when I moved to Green Bay. Uh, I was like, I'm moving to Green Bay from Denver. Like, what am I doing? One, <laughs> two. Uh, but it was for love. Right. It was for love. Oh, I'm happy. Mackenzie, come on. <laughs> it's okay. Chicago. Let's let's just map this out, right? Chicago, Arizona, New Zealand, Arizona, Colorado, Green Bay, <laughs> and the Bay the Bay of Green. Like, wow. Like, I could have totally mapped that out. I like, know. I saw it coming the whole time. I know it's interesting, but I made the decision, and it was it was the right decision, obviously. And now, but the <laughs> that's good. good. You say that, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay. I, however, like the past two weeks, my husband and I have said, like, all right, can we get our work situation set up so we can leave for like a month next winter <laughs> and not be here in January? <laughs> um, but big goals. Um, but yeah, so then when I got to Green Bay, I was just, I was like, oh, I'm done playing soccer. But then Glory, which is a semi-pro team that played in the same league as I played it when I was in Chicago, kicked off and I got to play again for a couple of years. Um, and like last year I was a practice player because I just wanted to be a mom. I didn't really want to travel all over. So I, I still, again, somehow found a way to fit soccer <laughs> in. <laughs> That's awesome. So you know Abby Genza then, which is a Stevens Point 
native. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I played with her. Yeah. The first year she played with us and she actually has trained at Mac rock. She actually worked at Mac rock last summer as a part-time okay. coach. Uh, just very- That's cool. Yeah. My daughter always kind of looked up to her. My daughter at the time, that would have been a few years ago. My daughter would have been you know, like, I don't know, 10 or, you know, eight to 10, somewhere in that range. And so she always thought Abby was really cool. Um, so yeah, that was small world. Yeah. Such a bright light, like such a happy, outgoing person. She's great. She's a solid defender. Yes. So that's awesome. So uh, let's see. So that that is a so it's such a cool like story. I think that's awesome. It's just not your normal, typical. Like, what was it? Were you drafted at all to play? Okay. No. So I didn't. I technically like because I didn't finish off Division One. I, I I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think that you can even like enter into the okay. draft as that and. This is honestly a dumb question, but not a question, dumb statement. I, this is one of those things where back even in college, like I didn't even know if the draft was a thing. Like it must, it was a thing because there was the professional world, but I, like there was nothing, Instagram, social media, like wasn't a big thing. So there was nothing like in my face telling me all the time, like this, this is of opportunity. So I can't even recall like been... Um, you know, the girls that I played with that ended up per- like, so the girls that I played with that ended up professional, um, like legitimate, like played on the top, like the, the first teams, um, I played against them on like the reserve yeah. teams. So I don't know if it was more of a theater program mm-hmm. process, um, but no, yeah. So I wasn't drafted. I just, I, Chicago was my hometown and I actually played the head coach who is actually no longer in the system due to all of the arousement that happened with players and coaches in the NWSL over the last couple of years. He was the DOC and my coach growing up. Um, And I kind of knew going into tryouts that he potentially wasn't going to accept me just because of history, but I, it was home. Like I'm like, Oh, it's Chicago, whatever. Um, So whether it was, you know, did I help hold my own? Yes, but there was also like whether I was considered good enough or not, or my size, whatever it may be. But I decided just because it was convenient that Chicago was a good place to start, and then I knew it wasn't. Gonna, it wasn't. I I knew at the end of the season that I wasn't going to get a position on the full team on the first team. So that's when I decided, like, oh, I might as well travel. Like I'm two years out of school, I'll just go out to Arizona. I also had like a part time job just because I wasn't you as a semi pro. You get a lot paid for, but get you don't paid. get paid. Yep. So I, I had to make some money. And so I just kind of took advantage of it. And then when things kind of fell into place and I just decided to call it, and I don't like, I don't like to say call it quits, but when I decided to ultimately stop playing because of the move, then hmm. that's what happened. Yeah. I'm trying to think no. if there's anything else exciting. I, I did have this. a question for you. So what years did you play at Arizona? 2010 to 14. Did I graduate in 14? Okay, so yeah. did you guys ever play New Mexico? Like yeah. University of New Mexico? They're not in the pack okay. 12. Well, back then. Because so we do you have. remember the player that went famous from New Mexico, Elizabeth Lambert? He was, he was the ponytail uh, girl, the yeah. one that yanked that girl down. Uh, and I wondered oh, yeah. if you... 
She was the one. Yeah, I was just curious if you guys ever played because she was 2009 when she got famous. I was curious if you ever played it. That was like one of the first social media things yeah. I remember seeing. <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we never, I we would have never played them because, I mean, we played out of conference teams, but I, I'm they were. Oh, bummer! So. I wanted to hear about all the dirty Steve, <laughs> the dirty things she did. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it was funny when I when I looked at where you played it. The first thing I thought was, "Oh my god, I think that's where that girl played." And then I looked it up, and like, "Oh, they didn't play at the same school." But at the same time frame, because she was 2009 to, yeah. I think, 11, something like that. So. I guess I remember that, like, vividly now, that that uh, video. It still comes up randomly yeah, on social media. It, it like, does. It's. I saw it the other day. It came up, uh, like, about a month ago. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about this lady. But, yeah, she... Yeah, I don't want... She kind of lost it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Apparently... I've apparently she has gone into anonymity and I don't blame her because after that whole thing blew up, she kind of fell off the map, like stopped using social media did like, and I, I don't blame her. Like there's even question about like, nobody even knows where she lives now, which again, if I were her, that's probably really, I'd want it. So. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, yeah. Holy buckets. But anyways, I was just curious if you ever had any, did anything like that ever happen in your playing days? Like just somebody kind of went off tilt and just, there is some, there is some dirty, like, I mean, some players tempers are just horrific, whether it was worse, uh, towards the ref or towards other girls. It was funny. Cause I did play with a lot of, um, like one of the girls on my team was from Columbia. One of the girls on my team was from, uh, or I don't think she was from Spain. Um, but she came from like a Spanish background. We had a few girls from Mexico and like, so when they would get pissed, oh my God, they would, they would just like language that we had no idea what they were saying. But, but you knew it wasn't good. <laughs> but oh yeah, we knew it wasn't good. And just the way that they reacted was, I mean, hilarious, but <laughs> also not necessarily acceptable. Um, so it was, it was funny just cause it was like all different cultures mixed. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, you saw stuff all the time. Just, I actually, I never, I will say, I guess I never saw like that, you know, a rough ponytail yank, but you know, maybe some, some pulling of the jerseys, but that's, that's. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My wife was a defender on a, on a team at UW Stevens point. And when she played, it was always the way she ran, her elbows were always out. And that was like, even today when she runs, her elbows are still out. She's always, that's just jockeying for position. And so. You know, I'd see her kind of throw one here or there when she's playing because uh, that was just kind of the, the way you uh, told the uh, offensive player that you were there, right? You just kind of gave him a little elbow. Yep. A little nudge. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Your wife is the kindest person on earth. There's no I have way seen her knock down a lot of people. But I will say this. She did help people back up after she knocked them down. But she she – she knocked oh, a lot of people down. That's, that's like Macy, Toby. Macy's like the sweetest soul on earth, and she can be aggressive, but then she'll be like, yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> right? Like, oh, no. We always used to joke with Sarah. Oh, my God. We always oh, used to joke with her, like, just once, we wanted her to knock a girl down and be, like, right in her face and, like, stay down. You know, bad word. But she never did anything like that. So, <laughs> she's way too nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. 
us, Mackenzie, I didn't know your whole story. I knew a lot of somewhat about you, but you've managed to live like the incredible dream. I'll be honest, right? I mean, you turned high school into U of A to like, I don't even need my daughter listening to this because she's like, dad, I think I'm going to go far and then I'm going to this. More experiences for you. Right. <laughs> I know. Actually, it'd be fantastic. But it, your, your story is amazing. But now you're in the Bay of Green, happy with a child and running a business. So when did the, because like you said, and I remember seeing pictures where you literally were at a park training a kid with cones, put it back in your car. When did, uh, when did the thought process really like, Hey, I'm going to invest yeah. in a location. And I remember talking to you early on how you, I think you did really some smart. You didn't affiliate yourself with a club because there's multiple clubs in our area. And, and you never said, Hey, I'm the, the I'm part of the peer or, or Howard Hurricanes back then, you know, you, you, you made very neutral. I think that probably helped your business because you would have shut down 70% of the city. If, I mean, if you were with the peer, we'd have been like, no way. Yeah. Like, no way. <laughs> yeah. I, but go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, then when did you look at it and say, you know what, this is something I can do and make and make a living out of it. Yeah. So I think when I first moved up here, I realized that there wasn't anybody that really privately trained and especially I shouldn't say anybody, but more so from the female side of things. Like I was one of the, not one of the first, but I was one of the only female coaches that at least I knew of in the area um, that did individual training. And with the reputation that I had brought with me, um, I think that that really helped grow the, you know, people knew what my story was to an extent and where I played and, with that background, people, you know, trusted and invested in what I had to offer, which I was very thankful and gracious for. Um, and then I realized how big of a niche it was. You know, I was coaching, I was coaching the U11s and then I was also helping out at the high school. And I realized, like, I knew just being a soccer player all my life that coaching was going to be in some way, shape or form a part of my life. I decided that through doing both at the same time that I really enjoyed the one-on-one -on -one side of things, just because in a group setting, I, I saw all these little things that I wanted to fix in players, but in a group setting, it's harder to do so. Um, so I started, you know, pulling players aside more and more, but then I realized like, Hey, this is a huge niche. This, I mean, it's it, great. People keep wanting it. And I can honestly make my own schedule with it. I also don't at, don't have to be gone on weekends all the time. Mm. Like what I was thinking in advance, so like in the future, like when I want to start a family, do I want to be in a coaching role that consists of traveling all over the state or country on the weekends? Um, and, or do I want to just make, I mean, I, was I still training on the weekends? Yes. But at the same time I could ultimately decide like, Hey, I'm not training today. I'm not going to schedule anything. So I just started thinking about the lifestyle that it would offer me and then what I really, truly enjoyed um, and the relationships that I had built through it. So that's kind of, you know, and because I was affiliated with a club and a high school at the time, I, I could have continued to do both, but I was training people from all over the place. And I realized very quickly, and not that this is only in Green Bay, but politics and sports is, a you know, no. people can say whatever they want to say. And I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to run any conflict of interest, so I decided to call it quits from the team aspect of things just to make 
things much smoother. Um, and then that's with that decision, I knew that it was my best, it was in my best interest to keep myself unaffiliated with any club air, with any club system, any high school. Um, and it was, you know, from like a staffing standpoint to also, I mean, it was a hard thing to do because one, do people are like, do you, do I really believe you? And then two, you try and find coaches that aren't a part of any or aren't affiliated with any program and that's hard to do. Um, so, but it's been, it's, I've stuck to my guns on it and I, it's obviously brought in people from all over and they've respected that they don't feel the pressure or politics of whatever comes along with the affiliation of what a club would bring. So. The one thing I would say for people that have not heard of Mac Rock is to check it out online because you have, it's not just an open piece of turf. There's, there's turf, but you also have like one of a kind equipment in the area that is not, I mean, I know when you brought in the, um, the Toka, not the Toka. Um, Lights, Icon. Yeah, the Icon. It was like the first one in the United States or like there was very few of them around and it's helped Macy with her, her feet, her passing, her, and then the board, the shot board with the, the lights. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's amazing what they're able to do with technology today in, in a smaller space. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have a 30,000 square foot arena. You have, you know, now have 8,000 feet. Yeah. Minus a little office yeah. space. Yeah. 8,600 8, 8, square feet. Yeah. And what you're able to do in there is, is unbelievable. And it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, you know, people always think like, oh, you can't run a soccer, indoor soccer business. Um, like, because what happens in the winter or what happens in the summer, but that's what, like the niche and the brand, I decided to just brand the, I wanted to, I wanted to pull the brand away from me because again, when I started having a family and when I started wanting to step away a little bit, I didn't want the business to die. So that's when I made the decision to start investing in equipment that could ultimately be the brand of the facility. And it's driven itself well thus far and continues to do so. And I just decided like, there's no reason why. Like you can be as successful in a training in a small, tight space, sometimes even more successful because it, it trains you to keep your touch so tight. Um, and instead of I don't escape. So. And, uh, and I will say too, also the coaches you brought in, uh, young college players. Yep. Um, Skyler's been fantastic. I think Bemidji State. Yep. Uh, Hannah. Uh, and then some GB play, and they've all been great. Now you've had uh, some young gentlemen join you for the boys' side. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of energy. And yeah, we get people. We really, I mean, obviously, if they're currently playing in college, have played in college, have played professionally, are playing professionally, we try and find the people that are still really involved and active, um, just so that they can relate to our athletes more. And not that like an older coach wouldn't be able to do so, but I think there's, especially in a one-on-one setting, when you have to be physically active with the player, there's something to be said when the coach can hold their own. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I see there's a lot of different levels that you can do just for the people that didn't want to get started with the training. Anything you'd like to add on that? I've obviously, we'll link to the site, but is there anything you want to add on, on that if people are looking at it? Um, I mean, honestly, we do beyond just those levels. We do classes, we do 3v3s, we do a little bit of everything. And we're super, like for me, I just, I want to make it work for anybody who's willing to 
train and wanting to train. I don't want to, you know, I, if, for example, we have people that come from outside of Green Bay, so we have people that come from Iron Mountain or Wausau or down south and their schedule doesn't allow them to necessarily come up on like a consistent basis. So that said, like it, it, it's just, we're flexible to work with your schedule and to make sure like you're able to make the most out of what you're paying for and not lose out on it. Yeah. I kind of wondered about that. If I, if I ever came over, that would be a a haul an hour and a half, but I showed my daughter and she's like, Oh, that looks awesome. (laughs) Like, well, we'll see. (laughs) We will see. (laughs) Yeah, ever. it'd be fun. It's just, yeah, it's just fitting it in. I mean, that's the biggest challenge because you're talking about a three-hour drive to, you know, for it's about an hour training, you would assume. Yeah, if yeah. you do one yeah. session, yeah, it's an hour. So we'll have to see. That might be something we'll we'll have to take a peek at because we've never done anything with that, and I I know she could definitely use it. So that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. We'll have to open. talk about that. So. Let's see. I was trying to think if there was anything else that uh, I hadn't really covered. Is there anything else that that we should know, maybe from your perspective, that uh, that we haven't covered? That we I know we talked a lot about your career. You gave us a lot of really cool insights. Anything else that you wanted to cover that we we didn't talk about? Um, I was going to say the one thing is the NCSA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. On on the recruiting yeah. side, because we had. Uh, Jason Chaplin from he did he coached uh, lacrosse last week. He formed us kind of on the on the personal side of how to reach out to coaches. Now NCSA is a is a if you can you can explain it a little bit better than I can. Yeah, so it's pretty much just a platform that athletes and uh, coaches um, can create profiles on. Well, the, from the coaching standpoint, it's just really schools that um, partner up with NCSA that then coaches um our athletes sign up in the program and 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 this is for any sport it's not just for soccer um and you just fill out all of your information so your height your weight your fitness like your mile run your gpa your you you like like you write a little personal statement about yourself all of your upcoming events all of your references um you upload film of your games. So literally everything that you want a coach to know about you. Um, and then it's really just, it's kind of like like Facebook or Instagram. Like I know a lot of coaches also use Twitter for recruiting. So it's just another platform. The cool thing about it is, um, and we, we partner with NCSA to just help that recruiting process come along for athletes. And one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons why I really wanted to to get involved in it and just have it as obviously like any athlete can do Twitter, TikTok, um, what, however they decide to go about their social media endeavor with that. But with this, like coaches can actually filter in, all right, I want a defender graduating in 2024 that is has a mile time. Like they can get super specific. So like from like mile time to how complete is their profile, where do they want to go to school? Like what area of the country are they interested in? What major are they interested in? So then like, let's say like my information fit all the criteria that the coach like filtered out. Now, like I, so let's say it goes from like 10,000 kids to now they filtered in my graduating year, my, my position. And if I'm left foot dominant, now it's going to take me down to 5,000 kids. And then if they filter in something even more specific, it'll take you down to six, you know, 600 kids. 
So um, it's cool because instead of you as an athlete necessarily just reaching out or going to all these shows to present yourself, coaches can actually find you. Um, and then I, from like the player standpoint, I also like to say that it's kind of like, like how, like how do teenagers thrive these days? Fortunately, but unfortunately to an extent, like when they get a like on Instagram, when they get a view on TikTok, when they get seen on Facebook, like that's, that's where they find like, oh, cool. You know, like I'm getting recognized. So through NCSA, you can, it'll say like University of Madison, Wisconsin, liked your profile or started following you or Lawrence University sent you a message or University of Arizona viewed your profile and you get all these notifications. And then whether there's schools that you know about or you don't know about, like it also opens the door and it opens the idea of a school that a player may have not even ever thought of looking at just because they never were aware of it. Um, so like if they see, you know, university of like, or like not even university of, or just like, I don't know if it says Lawrence College and I'm just thinking of Lawrence because it's in Appleton and it's just like a school that just says Lawrence. It doesn't say anything about Appleton or Wisconsin necessarily. They're like, oh, where's that? It's interesting. Um, so that's another cool thing because it kind of boosts that that athlete's confidence in a way of like, oh, people are looking at me. People are interested in me. Um, and then um, it also it just all around just provides uh, a, a of area of which the athlete can use and prompt player uh, coaches on questions and ideas. Like you can, you could type in, all right, I'm a sophomore and I have no idea where I want to go to school, but I want to look outside the box and do this search. Like I could be like, okay, I want to go to school. Like if I wanted to go to school in Colorado, I'm going to go to school in Colorado. I want to go into business. And I want to play women's soccer. And then like you filter that in as the, from the athlete side. And then all of a sudden, like all the schools in Colorado that have women's soccer, that has a major in business. And it, I could pick like D1, D2, D3. Let's say I only want to play D2. And then all the D2 schools that have business, have women's soccer will pop up. And there may be a bunch of schools that I had no idea, mm. no idea about. So it's just a good, I mean, and you can type this stuff in on Google too, but this platform, like it, it streams it like any school that's in the system, which oh, honestly, like a majority of colleges in the States, um, whether they're active on it in recruiting or not, they are listed. On it. So it'll tell you the tuition. It'll tell you in-state, out-state tuition, the population of the school. It's just very informative. Um, and I will say the number one thing, though, is the way that coaches can filter things to then find you and then also just what the athletes get out of the recognition that they ultimately like I get athletes all the time they're like I can't play high school I can't play college soccer there's no way and I'm like okay I remember saying that myself and I I'm like why are you cutting yourself short like what what's what's the point why are you saying that and then they sign up on NCSA and all of a sudden like a year goes by and they are have way more confidence because they're like, I I'm, I'm sharing emails with all of these schools because, and whether they're generic emails to be like, Hey, come to our camp. At least it initiates the yeah. idea of, Hey, come to our camp. Um, so there's, you know, and there are other platforms out there and CSA, I would say is the most like predominant one that I, I is nationally known. So, um, and we just, we've had a good experience with them. Um, so, you, you know, you can play all, you can pay all different levels with them. 
um, based on how much you want out of them from like film editing to personal recruiters and all that stuff. So that's where like we kind of come in to initiate it to help you understand and realize like what do you really need? What do you not need? So that because we're we're also there okay. to help through the process um, where sometimes like athletes will just sign up and then they don't have like a club coach or a personal trainer also assisting with them. So very cool. Yeah. So that's like, you know, in a nutshell, um, I guess the last thing I would like to add is just that people, parents and people often ask me, you know, when's a good time to, tar- to start training? Like my kid's only six. Um, and like people call me crazy <clears throat> for wanting to spend extra money to, to train. Now, like, obviously you can consider me biased because I own a <laughs> per- or personal training business. And I'm not just saying this to get business, but I just say like, hey, even if it's just you going out in the backyard with your kid to like work on the little things, but making sure whatever, like whoever is working with them knows what they're doing. Just because if you can like, if you get younger kids, they don't have bad habits to break. Like they have, they're just making, they don't know any better, but like we'll start training kids at the age of, you know, like 13, 14, even 12 sometimes. And they're like stuck in their ways a little bit more. Um, and not that, that the coach that they've had prior to wasn't a good coach or whoever they've learned under, but things are overlooked. And that's, that's the reason why we do what we do. So, you know, it's never too early to start because I, I love coaching young kids because it's just like, it's just like fair game. Like you could tell them to do anything and they're up for fixing it where when you get an older player, you tell them to fix something and they're, they're stubborn. Like it feels uncomfortable to them. And like our, our motto is um, in order to get comfortable, you have to get uncomfortable. Um, so as a young kid, when your body's still maturing and you're growing, everything's uncomfortable. Like nothing feels right. So there's no complaints, right? Like, but when you're a little bit more mature and you're used to certain movements, then you start doing something different. You know, it's, it's a little bit of, um, it's a little bit of frustration and complaining because it doesn't feel right. I don't want to do it that way. So then it's harder to fix. So from a personal trainer standpoint to in a specific sport, the younger, not to mention (laughs) muscle memory, right? I was going to say muscle memory can be a pretty, I mean, even if they're willing to train, sometimes your, your body just naturally does a certain thing and that could be a problem too. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of even whether they play soccer, but just getting them involved in different activities so that their body becomes, their bodies become more athletic, athletically sound is just, it's so beneficial because, and people like, will call you crazy if you are one-on-one training as a young athlete, but if that's like some kids react better in a one-on-one setting, some kids react better in a group setting. I mean, there's, there's, you're not crazy if you do that. And especially you're not crazy if you do it um it's just it's really just placing focus in areas early getting the athlete honestly all around it just does the athlete better because it just helps them focus more and respect their peers more and understand like constructive criticism a little bit more so yeah you know i noticed to the south of your building there's a section that we could build a pickleball court in you're saying there's a lot yeah. of people looking for pickleball courts. It's so funny that you say that because I was leaving Bellin today, um, which is the like our sports medicine partner in their workout facility. And I was like thinking about where a pickleball court could go in their facility. And then I was thinking about like 
Oh my God. It's so free. It's so crazy that you said that. And not that I would do this, <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I do. We built the building as such in the area we did to be able to add on. And I'm like, okay, if I add on, do I really just want to throw more turf down? Like what would I actually ultimately do with it? And pickleball is like, it's such a hit now. Like, I mean, how could it not take off? <laughs> There's only a few courts around in the winter. I'm telling I you. Know. I know. I drive all the way to Seymour. Ooh, it's like I, it's like gold, Jerry. Gold. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe you should do it. You get a whole new a whole new clientele. You guys, you can sponsor me. For hey, it. put put a little bar on one side. I can bring my talents. Yeah. I can bring my talents. You right. could. You could be you could be the trainer, Toby. <laughs> oh, that's got me written all over it. <laughs> how did how did Aaron play pickleball? <laughs> <laughs> Put a bar in. That's how you really get the pickleball people. Hey, I I, I play that for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, great. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I obviously, I could talk like all day on this stuff. So when Toby told me that he started a podcast and what it was about, I was like, uh, can I No, I'm, I'm glad you are. And I'm sure we'll actually, we're going to eventually do a, a returning guest. So, you know, we, we definitely have more topics that we could cover. But yeah, I think we land the plane here and uh, we'll uh, maybe circle back to some areas at, at another time. That'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, I'm always here and I, uh, I actually with, again, like with what I'm doing, I would love to get in touch with you guys about interviewing you down the road because I think it'd be cool to help market. What well, you guys yeah, doing, appreciate so. it. And if somebody's interested in looking, I will put the link in the show notes, but otherwise it's, uh, it's MacRock and it's adc.com. Correct. Perfect. So I'll put that link yes. in the show, uh, in the description so people can get to it right away. But yeah, check out the, the, the site. There's a lot of really cool things there. And if you're interested, there's a lot of great information there about all the, you know, the memberships and, and the events and event, uh, uh, the uh, playmaker kits. Oh, that was one thing I did want to ask you if you got a couple seconds. This playmaker kit, tell me a little bit about it. I see it kind of straps onto your shoe if you're a soccer player and it actually tracks like your touches, it tracks all your involvement do, you, do players actually wear this during a game you can i mean you pretty much just explain it so it's yeah it's a sensor that goes in a strap around your cleat and all of our all of our athletes wear it in every single training um and you can wear it in a game they i mean they, they're acceptable so it, it there's just a different tracking system as if you choose like training mode or game mode and then yeah it, it tracks Touches, percentage of left foot, right foot, kicking velocity, passing, um, accuracy, your speed, wow. the amount of sprints, the mileage, the time. Um, yeah, honestly, everything. So we just added it as another like data tool for us to, it, it, it's a good piece to keep it, um, players competitive with one another because we'll have like a player of the month for player makers. So who had the most sessions, who had the most touches, um, cool. who had the highest kicking velocity, like with their left foot right foot so you can and if on it like you you can buy them through our website you can buy them on player makers website i mean we have a ton of people that just use ours because when you come into the facility you can um we have them for anybody to use 
everyone to use that has a one-on-one session. So Macy Mm. wears them, Macy wears them every single session. Um, but then like if a player ended up buying their own because they wanted to use them outside of MacRock for games or different trainings, um, but it's all on an app. So when the player's in, like Macy has the app on her phone and she, like if she were at her house right now, she could pull it up and see all of her past sessions. And then she could see the leaderboard mm. compared to other players. So you don't have to have actually actual sensors to look at your app and look at all the data, but in order to record it, you do. So that's really cool. Um, uh, yeah. So settle this argument in my household. What is the typical, and I know this is just off the top of your head, mileage run in a soccer game what what are you seeing okay see i I, i'm right then my son's like no way he's like no way no way i'm like it's they say it's seven to ten and he's like no not never no way and i'm like i don't know that's what i hear but so now i'm gonna yell at him (laughs) i'm like okay you're under the age of 12 the field size changes no big field that's what i want to know big field um yeah, on average, I'd say, again, it changes sure. via position as well. But on average, it's I, it's I say it's eight miles, and just from my tracking and experience, it's pretty. So it's a, it's a normal Toby workout. So if I pick one up, well, if yep. I pick one up next Wednesday and I wear it to pickleball, I'm thinking we're running four blocks, maybe three blocks, probably two blocks. But that's blocks, a lot. Like, like blocks, like street like blocks? city blocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I yeah. honestly, you should test it out. <laughs> I know it's it's like eighteen steps to the beer fridge and then eighteen back. So you do that a couple times, you get, so you get some <laughs> for good sure mileage. Get some good. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you ever want to use that, use the player makers to track your pickleball. No, I get made fun of enough. I'm not I going down it. that road. <laughs> uh, I actually that I may just put them out. There you and go. And I'll let you know. <laughs> well, that's really cool. So, anyways, the, the long and short, there's a lot of awesome stuff on on MacRockADC.com. So go check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, thank you very much, Mackenzie, for being on. Learned a lot tonight, and it was great to hear your story and all the awesome travels and experiences you've had. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I always, like I said, I could talk for hours about it. So um, stop me whenever needed, but I am happy to, to join you guys whenever. We'll take you up on that. That sounds good. Your time. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Have a good, hang All on right, for guys. a second here while we end this. All right. Okay. I don't want to mess anything.